weird stories about food, right? So I'm not going to talk about the times where I had to eat bugs, okay? Uh, Coagulated blood, raw pork, or that time after church we had a potluck. So in the Thai church, typically every Sunday you have a potluck right after service, okay? This is one of the scariest times um, in all of missionary work is the church potluck. You think the church potluck is scary in the States? Come visit us overseas and I'll show you real fear, okay? So we come to this potluck and uh, there's a stew. And sometimes you just look at things and there's something a little bit off about it, right? Uh, a little bit funky about this soup. And my wife looks at it and she's like, I'm not touching that. I'm not going to go anywhere near it. So I eat it. There's something in there. It's a little strange. The consistency's a little off. Something's a little off. But I put it down. I lived. Uh, the next day I bump into this guy and I said, hey man, why were you not at church yesterday? And he says, oh, didn't you hear? My buffalo gave birth yesterday, and I gave the, which I found out was, placenta to the church in the stew. Didn't you get some of that yesterday? I was like, yes, I did get some of that. Thank you very much. But I'm not going to talk about that stuff uh, this morning. We're not going to talk about weird food. You know, the other thing, missionaries come, and they're expected to talk about the language, right? How difficult language is, and I could tell you stories about Thai. So Thai, for example, has a Thai script. It's not Romanized, so we don't use the regular alphabet. It's tonal as well, okay? So to give you a quick example, if you were to say ma, that means come here, okay? If you were to say ma, that means dog. If you were to say ma, that means horse, all right? So you can understand that. But more than just simply the tonal and the script, right, intricacies of languages are always a kind of iffy thing. So, uh, one day, I'm telling this group of people about this noodle shop that I eat at. And I'm telling this group of people, I'm like, yeah, there's this noodle shop I go to. And I don't really like the noodles there. They're kind of bad. But I've been trying to build a relationship with the lady who runs the noodle shop. So I continue to go there. So I think that I'm sharing a nice kingdom principle with these people, right? Here's a relational ministry. You can probably guess where this is going. Uh, what I was saying was, there's this noodle shop. The food's terrible, but I've been having an affair with the lady who runs the noodle shop, so I continue to go back and eat noodles at her shop. But we're not going to talk about that stuff uh, this morning, today. I could tell you about other things, unknown places we've traveled, snakes, or how we eat for a dollar almost every meal, or all that things, but we're not going to go there. We're going to talk about spiritual things this morning, okay? Um, So let's jump in this morning. I'll show you a picture of my family. They're here today, actually, which is nice, so you can meet them. This is my family. We are the Nigenfeinds. All right, uh, so let's break it down a little bit. So the scared-looking woman on the back of a motorcycle, because I'm cheap and I make her take motorcycle taxis, is my wife, Sarah. Uh, She was an ICU nurse in the States before we went to Thailand. She's still an ICU nurse, I guess. The son holding the chicken that got bit by a snake and died um, is my son, Lauren. Lauren is five years old. He just started kindergarten. Uh, He was born in the States, but he came over to Thailand when he was 10 months So he's completely fluent in Thai um, and is basically a Thai kid. The other one on the far, whatever side that is, I'm weird and inverted here. You got it. The far one is um, my daughter Margaret. Margaret was born in Thailand, so three months ago when we returned home, that was actually her first time in the States. Where do we serve? Uh, If you could go to the next, would be great. Thailand, okay? Now, why Thailand might be the question. So typically in missions right now, one of the goals of missions and the objectives is to share the good news in the places that have the least gospel access, right? And typically in the world of missions today, when you think of unreached places, you're typically going to go 
to the Middle East first, right? You're going to think of these kind of like Muslim areas that are closed access. You're going to think of North Africa. You're going to think of places like this. Statistically, though, Thailand is actually less reached than most of the Middle Eastern countries, which is peculiar because as a missionary, I can go straight into Thailand. I get a religious visa. They know that I'm a missionary. I can openly proclaim the good news of Christ, but yet it's still 1% Christian. Statistics sometimes don't get to it. So let's think about Omaha, right? You're here in Omaha. You want to hear the good news of Jesus. You've never heard the gospel presented to you, and you're like, how can I hear this message? How many people do you think it would take you to talk to, to hear the good news of Christ? Three? Eight? Maybe like a really bad day. Maybe it takes you 15 people to talk to until someone can clearly present to you the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, in Thailand, on average, it's going to take you roughly 100 people to talk to, to hear the good news. And remember, that's on average, right? So you're going to have some areas that are going to be way higher than that, way higher meaning maybe 10%, right? And then you're going to have other areas that have virtually no opportunity to hear the good news of Christ. So we moved to Thailand. The first two years were language study in Bangkok. And then after that, that red dot in the corner is called the Sakonakon province. Uh, and that whole region is called the Isan region. Isan is less reached than the majority of Thailand. It's less than 1% in the Isan region. And we worked with, uh, next slide would be great. Thank you. We worked with two church plants there. Uh, the one you see in the top corner there is a church in the city of Sakonakon. That was a city of about 70,000 people. Uh, there already existed about five churches in the city, the largest church having 30 members. So you can do the math there. Not a lot of believers. The other one was even more unreached. Uh, this was a town called Sisongkram. Sisongkram had 13,000 people, and the ch- closest church was 30 kilometers, away, 40 kilometers away from that church. So um, we helped establish both of those churches uh, in hopes of bringing gospel access and good news to places that had no previous gospel access before. You know, before we go into this, I want to just give you guys a big thank you this morning. Because when we're coming and we're reporting these things and we're showing you some of the things that God's doing, right? I'm not up here talking about, look at what we, our family, is doing, right? But I'm saying, look at what we as a greater body of the Christian Missionary Alliance are doing together. Everything you see here, you have somewhat of a part in. Just as when I come back and I see what you guys are doing in Omaha and I see the good things that the Lord is doing here, I feel excited because I feel like I'm a part of your family as well. So thank you for your support of missions. Thank you for your support of the Great Commission Fund, of your prayers, of your time, and of your partnership. It's good to see what we're doing as one family together. Today, though, I want to shift the message a little bit. Um, traditionally, right, missionaries come, they show a few slides, they like bring in like a snake skin or like a spear or something like that, and you just think, cool, this is fun to see some random guy. I just came to a church recently, and he said, yeah, we had a missionary a while back, and this guy came out in a loincloth and ran down the aisle. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, so I don't know. <laughs> it's a little bit out of my, uh, my request level. But what I'd like to do this morning is I want to shift the message a little bit today. And I don't want to talk just traditionally about what it is that we're doing and what our lives look at. But I believe that God wants to speak to you this morning. I believe that God wants to call us as a church deeper into mission. And I want to look at what does it mean for you to be a missional community? What does it mean for you to be a person of mission? So let's open our hearts and minds today and see what it is that God is possibly calling you out of this morning to take part in missions together as a group. Can we do that today?
All right, so we're going to look at um, the Bible this morning, all right? So if you have that today, uh, grab that. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 through 12. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 12. I was telling the, uh, the, the first service this morning, I used to have a good like bait and switch trick in Thailand. So I can read Thai, but I'm kind of slow, you know, because it's in a weird script. And so what I would always do to look very communal and cool is I'd be like, why don't one of you guys read the text for us this morning to get the congregation involved? So it was a good trick to help people read it for me so I didn't have to read. But my English reading level is high. I'm pretty good when it comes to reading English. So I'm going to read this morning for us, Okay. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 12. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 12. I'll read for us today. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. But now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray before we jump in today. Lord, we come to you this morning. We just lay this time down at your feet, Lord. We invite you here, Holy Spirit. We pray that you may just blow through here this morning, Lord God, that you may speak to us, that you may open hearts and minds, that we may see what it is that you have in store for us today, Lord. We dedicate this time to you for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what's going on in this text today as we look at this? So this text is actually addressed to Jewish believers scattered around the Roman Empire. So you have this group of people who religiously, ethically, ethnically are completely different from the culture that they're living in, right? For us in Thailand, okay, this is daily life as a missionary life. The province that you saw, that province in Sukhanakon, we were the only white family in the whole province. My son went to Thai school. He was the only foreign kid in the whole school. So we understand what this means, right? But even more than us being ethnically different, the real thing was our mode of operation, our ethics, our moral code, where we found our foundation was completely different from the culture we were in, right? We're rooted in Christ in concepts like grace and the cross, whereas the other people are rooted in the concepts of Buddhism. And we could see that there was a real differentiation between our lives where we found our foundation and the others. And as I returned to the States, though, I noticed that even in four years of us being gone, it seems like we're these people now. People of Christ are these people. It seems like Christians do not fit in as they used to. 
Sin and perversion seem to have increased in the states, right? The gap between the rich and the poor, greater. Concepts like loving our enemies, doing good to those who do bad to us, turning the other cheek. These seem to be concepts that are so foreign to us now as a nation. I don't even need to talk about the political situation, right? Regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, I haven't talked to one person who tells me, you know what, if I really want to feel warm and fuzzy inside before I go to sleep, I just turn on the news and then I feel really good about life, right? Nobody feels this way. So the question is today, what is it that Peter has to say to us? In this time period, in this country, what does Peter have to say to you this morning about a person of mission? What does a person of mission look like? All of us are called to engage in missions. And what does that look like in our lives this morning? So I have three points. As I was saying, I hope you guys really appreciate this today because I feel very pastoral. I have three points and they all start with P. So I'm, I'm really proud of myself. I'm not going to lie about this one. So before we jump in and look at those three points that start with P, just one thing to notice, right? This whole text is revolved around this whole concept of the cornerstone. A lot of us understand this concept already, but back in the day, really way back in the day, okay? Every single building that was ever constructed, the way they did it is they would build one stone, okay? This was the strongest stone, the foundation of the whole building. And then after they built this stone, they'd build a whole building around it. It was the thing that supported it. So if your, stone, your cornerstone is off, what's going to happen? Your whole building's going to be off. Or if your cornerstone was not very strong, it might look good, everything's fine, but when a storm hits, your whole building's going down, Right? And for us, Christ is the cornerstone, right? And with Christ being the cornerstone of the building, there is no storm that we cannot weather. There is nothing that will make our building crooked, all right? So that's just kind of, that one's free uh, before we jump in here this morning. The first concept, people who engage in missions or a missional people are a peculiar people, a peculiar people. Look at the text with me this morning. Verse 4 says this. Verse 4 says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and what? Precious to him, right? Precious to him. Verse 5 says that you're a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. But this concept really hits home in verse 9, which says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I think the first thing to realize, why are we so peculiar? Why are you a peculiar person? It's really stinking peculiar how much God loves us and how important and precious you are to God, right? If we, we forget about this concept so much because we throw out terms like God loves you, you're valuable to God, but to really think that the creator of the universe sees you as infinitely valuable and as something precious to him, that's an exciting concept and that's a really peculiar concept as well. We're citizens of heaven, right? Our brothers and sisters are not based among party lines. They're not based among country lines. Our brothers and sisters are globally based as people of the king, as citizens of heaven. So whether that means you live in Omaha, you live in Thailand, you live in South Africa, you live in Syria, you live in Mexico, regardless of where it is, our brothers and sisters are globally based under the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The second concept, though, when looking at this topic of being peculiar is to pose the question, are you peculiar? Are you peculiar? If someone were to look at your life, does your life reflect kingdom culture or does your life reflect Western culture? Do you look like every single other person that you meet outside of these walls or do you 
reflect the values of Jesus Christ. You know, there's that other passage in Scripture that talks about salt, okay? Salt, if it loses its saltiness, no benefit, right? For lack of a better word, are you salty? Do you choose the way of love, of grace, of peace, of humility, of purity? Or do you look like values of a society? If I were to bump into your friends and I were to see you out on the street, would you look different from other people? If I were to look at at what you watch on Netflix or the music you listen to, does it reflect the king that you love and you serve? Are you peculiar? I'll show you a story about some peculiar people. So I'm in the village town that you saw up there, okay? And one day I bump into these people. They, They teach at the high school. They're some of the leaders at the high school. And they come up to me and they say, hey, you're white. Can you come teach at our school? I said, uh, I don't really know how that qualifies me to come teach at your school, but um, tell you what, I'm not an English teacher, but I'm a Bible teacher, kind of. I will come to your school and I'll teach a little bit of English at your school, um, but I'm going to teach the Bible and I'll do it once a week. Is that okay? They said, yeah, no worries. Come do it. So I would go to this school, and once a week, in a public school that had not one Christian, we would read the Thai Bible together, do Thai worship songs, do devotionals, and just simply learn about Christ. And as this progressed, they started to say, could you potentially put on camps for our students? So we said, sure. So it started at one school. Then another school said, can you put on a camp? Then another school said, can you put on a camp? And what we started doing is we would take CMA churches from the states, would send us a team, and we would put on an English camp. And at these English camps, we'd start out the camp by praying for the kids in Jesus' name. We'd teach them worship songs. Uh, We'd teach them a little bit of English, share the Bible with them. You guys actually, the team that came from City Light, came and was one of these teams. And as these teams would leave and go back to the States, the people at the school would come up to us and say, what was wrong with those people that you sent us? Why would some people come to our seemingly insignificant village take their time to fly across the ocean, spend tons of money, and simply love on our kids and be with us and serve us. What's going on with that? And it was simple. I could say because these are Jesus people. These are people who are children of the king who love Jesus and strive to live like him. Are you a peculiar person? Are you a person whose people will say, what is wrong with that dude? I hope we are. You know, I was reflecting at the church, and I want to say this clearly. I believe that the church doesn't need any more bad replicas of Western culture, right? We don't need to do any more bad replicas to try to catch up to society. What we need is the power of Jesus Christ to blow through us as a people that's set apart, that are walking with him. Then we will see kingdom change, not only here in your city, in Omaha, but globally as well. Are you peculiar? Missional people are a peculiar people, all right? Second thing is this. Missional people are a people of purpose. Jump back to the text with me this morning and look at verse 9. Verse 9, it says this, right? We just looked at this. It says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Then there's a conjoining word here, right? What does it say? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. 11 and 12 have the peculiarity again, right? They say, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, what? 
that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The text clearly states that there's a link between being peculiar, being set apart, and being a people of action, a people of purpose. It's kind of like, you know, in church speak, right? We always use this term, a bridge, okay? We need to build a bridge to people. Um, I asked this in the first service, and they said Warren Buffett, okay? So please don't say that again, because that was a really weird example. But give me something better than Warren Buffett that Omaha is famous for, okay? What do you guys got in Omaha that's just awesome and famous? The zoo. I know we got a zoo. I'm, what else? What did you say? Ted and Wally's? Okay, good. Thanks. Hey, thanks for taking me there, uh, Omaha family. I was here a week. All you who took me out. I'm really glad. I love ice cream. Thanks for taking me to Ted and Wally's. Okay. Skeets. I know. I, I'm, I'm in love with Skeets. It was closed. So, has anyone here, can I just, well, let's get really off track here for a second. Has anyone been to Skeets Barbecue in here? One person, the coolest guy in the whole church has been there. Okay. So I've been trying to go here. I saw it. It looks amazing. And Andrew, big beard Andrew, okay, tried to take me there yesterday, and it looked kind of closed. And I said, hey, man, let me get out of the car and check. And as I grabbed my thing, he just peeled out and drove by, and he says, no, it's closed. And we didn't get to go to Skeets. So I was very depressed about that. All right, let's go with Fred and Wally's. Ted and Wally's. Okay. All right. So, so I'm in San Diego, okay? We're from San Diego, all right? We have no Ted and Wallys in San Diego, okay? So let's make a really bad geographical example this morning, okay? Let's pretend San Diego's here, okay? Omaha's here, and in the middle, Big Lake, okay? Between the two. I know that's wrong, all right? Yes, I understand. I haven't been on the field that long. Um, all right. You guys, nice Christian Omaha folk, decide... San Diego people, y'all really need Ted and Wally's, okay? This would radically change your life. It would do something special for you. So you say, tell you what, we're going to build a bridge across this lake. We're going to put all our efforts in, and we're going to build this bridge so that we can drive a truck full of Ted and Wally's ice cream. You can see why this didn't work well with uh, Warren Buffett, (laughs) driving him across the bridge. (laughs) So we're going to drive a truck full of Ted and Wally's across the bridge to San Diego from Omaha, right? So you build this bridge. It looks nice, and then all of you look at the bridge, and you clap for yourselves, and you say, what a nice bridge. That bridge is awesome. And you never drive a truck of ice cream across the bridge to San Diego. What good is that bridge? So many times in the church we do this with the bridges we build to the community, right? We do activities, we do things to build a bridge, but we never drive the truck across of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage us today, are we a people of purpose this morning. You know, we're part of a movement in a denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance. Something awesome, I don't know if you've heard the statistic before, but the Alliance is roughly 130 years old, okay? And today, roughly three, more than three-fourths of people in the CMA are outside of the United States. That's a pretty mind-blowing stat to think of the missions advancement that we've seen uh, through 130 years. But my question is, are we satisfied? Are we like, good job. Look at what we've built. What about you guys here at Providence? You guys have planted a church. Things are growing. God is moving. You've got a core group of people. Are you satisfied? Are you like, look at what we've done. Awesome. 
Or is God calling you and us as the alliance to a greater purpose in mission? You know, I can speak on behalf of Thailand. We absolutely need more missionaries in Thailand. We need the next generation to step up and come join the ranks. Where are those people going to come from? I want to challenge you this morning. Could that be you? Could you be that person that God is calling to go overseas for a lifetime of service? Could your role be the people that you are going to be the enabler, the encourager, the people who are going to help send out the next generation to push back the darkness in areas that don't have gospel access? What is God calling you to this morning? How is God moving you to be a people of purpose today? All right, so missional people, peculiar people, people of purpose. Finally, people of missions. Missional people are a people of provision and a people of power. You know, when I speak of provision, I'm not talking about financial provision. You guys as a church support the Great Commission Fund, which funds over 600 CMA missionaries in 60 countries. That's cool. But what I'm talking about is the supernatural power that comes when we step out in faith to attempt great things for God. Look back at the text today again. Verse 5 says this. <coughs> you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. If you notice the language in verse 5, it's passive, right? It doesn't say, you are building yourselves into a spiritual house, right? But it says, you are being built into a spiritual house. It's God who's doing the building here. If we go back to verse 9, it calls us God's special possession. We're already special to God. We're already his possession. You know, I'd like to speak a little bit about myself this morning. The missionary comes, right? And everybody's like, the missionary guy. That guy's got it all together. He's up here, right? Honestly, guys, I'm not that special. I don't have, like, I didn't go to Thailand and then I just, like, opened up a few books and I'm speaking Thai, right? It was hard. I still make bumbling mistakes. I don't have all of my ministry skills intact. I'm not always the best evangelist or the best speaker or the best discipler. Sometimes I straight up don't know what I'm doing. Guess what? I still sin. I still do things that I'm not proud of. I still don't treat people the way I should treat people all the time. I still have a lot of things to work through. But what do I have? I simply have the faith that me in my brokenness and my insufficiencies, when I step out, the all-powerful God of the universe is going to go with me and use me in spite of myself. And the good news is, is that that is not a promise for me, but that is a promise for every single one of you when you step out. God wants to use you, regardless of who you are, how insufficient you feel. God wants to do something beautiful with your life and call you to be a people of mission. You know, I love the Great Commission uh, in Matthew 28. We know this passage. A lot of us know this passage already. But we know this passage is almost a burdensome passage. We know this passage is something that's like God calling us to do crazy stuff that we don't have a clue how to do, right? At the end of Matthew 28, it says this. Matthew 28, 19, okay? This is the part we normally quote when we think about the Great Commission. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? This sounds like a scary command sometimes. Go do this, okay? But we forget that this is actually sandwiched between two concepts. Check it out. Verse 18 says, 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Do all that good stuff, all right? Then verse 20 says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This has quickly gone from a scary passage that's like, go do this stuff, to a really exciting passage, hasn't it? Now it reads, every single thing you'll ever need, all the power you need, all the skill set you need, every single thing that you think that you're possibly lacking, I have it. Therefore, go, do those things. Oh, and by the way, I'm never leaving you. I'm always with you. No matter where you go until the very end of your life, until the very end of the age, I will always be with you. Now this is exciting, right? Now this is mission and action with the king going with us. So, story of this kind of in practice. I'm at church one day in the city church you saw up there, okay? Ten minutes before the service is supposed to start, crazy lady comes up to me, all right? I know that sounds rude, but she was crazy, okay? There's always those people. You guys have your nutty people at your church, I'm sure. We had ours, all right? She comes up to me, hey, pastor, we need to go pick up these kids today. And these kids are who, and where are we going? Uh, you know, I'm supposed to preach in Thai in 10 minutes. It's kind of nice to have a little bit of time to yourself. No, 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 we need to go pick them up. O- okay. For some reason, I decide to go with the lady. So me and the nutty lady, we get in my truck, and we drive to the outskirts of town. Um, we pull up to this house. It's kind of like a shack-ish thing. It was surrounded by trees, kind of in the woods. And she gets out, and she says, just wait here. I'm going to go get these kids. I'm thinking to myself, are we abducting children? Like... <laughs> Am I going to go to jail today? You know, this is going to look great. The missionary grabs kids from the village and steals them. Um, So I wait there, and sure enough, she comes out with two kids, 8-year-old and 11-year-old, brother and sister. And um, I talk to the kids. They're really nice. They're super shy. Uh, I'm like, does your mom know that we're, you know, taking you to church? What's going on? So kids come to church, okay? Worship service goes by, just basic thing. Afterwards, nutty lady comes up to me and says, hey, these kids are ready to accept Jesus. I'm like, are are they really ready to accept Jesus? Like, are you just saying this stuff? What's going on? She says, no, no, no. They're ready. So we explain the gospel to them as clearly as we can. Um, Pray with these kids to accept the Lord. Fast forward to about a year. We were able to disciple these kids for a whole year. And uh, right before we left, we had the great privilege of baptizing these two kids. Uh, so this is a picture of us and the, the local Thai pastor. Now, why this story? Why is this the story that I chose to share with you guys this morning, out of all the stories we have? I share this story because notice the one component of this story is that I did jack squat in this story. This story has nothing to do with me. It wasn't, I had some creative game plan, and I did this awesome outreach event, and I did this, and this, and this, and this, and I was able to convince people to come to the kingdom because I did something cool, right? No, this is, I did nothing except make myself available, and God came out of left field and did something powerful. That is the exciting story that every single one of us can have when we step out in faith to attempt great things. For Jesus. And I want to close with this today, and I want to simply turn the tables a little bit and ask you this morning which one of these is God calling you to deeper? Which one of these points do you feel like God is putting on your heart this morning? Maybe for you it's the peculiar aspect. Are you set apart? 
Are you different? Are you unique? Do you reflect the deeper life that God has called you to? Are you peculiar? The next thing would be this. Are you a person of purpose? Maybe you're like, yes, I'm living a life for Christ. Yes, I'm set apart. But are you stepping out in that and doing things for Christ? And even more deep than that, are you stepping into the purpose that God has called you to? Are you stepping out into the purpose that God has called you to today? The final thing is this. Are you a people of power? Are you stepping into the power that God has called you to do? You know, in this last point, I think there's two people. Two types of people that don't fully step into the power that God has called them into. And I think the first is somebody who says, I am so insufficient, I'm not good enough, I don't have the skill set, I don't have the education, I don't have these certain things, so they don't attempt great things for God, right? And if that's you this morning, I want to say that not only is that not true, but that's flat out unbiblical, borderline heretical, actually. Um, God can do something beautiful through your life. The other group of people, though, who aren't people who step into the full power and the full thing that God has for their life are that group of people who say, I'm pretty good. I've got a pretty strong skill set. I'm good at ministry. I can do all these things already, and they never come to the feet of Jesus, and they never step in to the great plan that they have for their lives. So which one is you this morning? Which one of these is God speaking to you? I simply want to take a minute here or two and just have you talk to the Lord this morning. Have some quiet time with you talking to Jesus, processing through these things, and saying, what of these do you need to work on for God to call you deeper into missions, all right? So let's pray this morning, just silently between the Lord, and I'll close this in prayer, okay? Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. That you not only believe in us, but for some strange reason that you choose mankind to accomplish your purposes here on this world, Lord. We rededicate our lives to you, Lord. We pray that you may take us, use us, fill us, melt us, mold us, change us into the people you want us to be so that we may not only transform our families, our cities, our neighborhoods, Lord God, but the whole world through the great plan that you have for us. We love you. We lay this church, we lay our denomination, we lay our personal lives at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna shift this morning uh, and close with the time of communion today. 
And uh, I want us to look at this passage. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for us. But it's the, it's the classic passage about communion here in, in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. And it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone who ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And uh, two things, just as we're thinking of taking communion today. The first is just a remembrance that you know, as Jared pointed out this morning in the, in the mini-sermon uh, during, during announcements, was perpetually remembering that our root, our foundation, all of our hope is through the blood of Christ and Jesus Christ alone, in his death and resurrection, right? So it's a time for us to reflect and remember the great love and the great power that is found of the cross of Jesus Christ, right? That's our only hope. That is all we proclaim, and that is the only way that we will be made clean. The second thing is that that part about talking about repentance, confession, and examining ourselves. So before you take of the cup this morning, I would just encourage you to have some time on your own to simply think, examine your life. Do you have patterns of sin in your life? Do you have things that you need to repent of? Are your relationships right? Are you right with your spouse in here today? Or is there somebody who you need to talk to in this room before you come and take communion? So... We're gonna, I'm going to invite up the people serving uh, communion this morning. So simply, when you're ready, spend some time examining yourselves before the Lord. And then you can come up here. Uh, there's bread. You take the bread. You dip it in the cup. We want to invite any person, right? If you follow Jesus and you've made that commitment as a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what church you are from, come, take communion. Uh, that's for anyone who declares themselves as a follower of the Lord this morning. I'll pray for us. Take some time when you're ready. Please come, we invite you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. We thank you for the greatest event in all of history, the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is you alone who we are grateful for. It is you alone who we know that we are clean. Through the blood of Jesus Christ alone, we declare hope and eternal life, Lord. We love you. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for the things that we do, for the things that we don't do. For all of it, Lord God, we declare ourselves as people and children of you. Thank you for your great love that you've shown us. We dedicate our lives to you and you alone today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.